0: Welcome to another High Ground podcast. Podcast. I'm (laughs) CVW,
1: and I'm Callum. And can I just say, if you absolutely positively have to listen to one podcast, accept no substitutes.
0: Okay. Ah, did you plan that? Uh.
1: (laughs) Yeah. In case you didn't guess, this is our third Tarantino retrospective, which will follow Jackie Brown.
0: Yeah. Uh. You've stopped me, now. <laughs> I thought I had, I actually had to say, I was going to say, but it's all gone. I, uh, you know, you actually beat me to it, two guys think alike. Hey <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I actually, you know, we have this is, when we do these things, if, you've, if, you, if you're going in order, we went from making notes to not making notes, and I went back to making notes for this. It's been two weeks since I've watched the film, but, yeah. Up until recently, as in last year, Jackie Brown was my favourite Tarantino movie. It's just... love it.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think it's an interesting one, because, like, like a slight tangent, a related tangent, but I, I always think um, like if Tarantino's films were three children and I was the parent, you know, there's always a favourite, a least favourite, and the middle child that no one... I was with and I think Jackie Brown was like the middle child for me a lot of the time like it was kind of like it I didn't hate it but it was just kind of the one I thought like sometimes I would even skip it if I was watching them in order like but then I sort of came to a point um a few years ago where I watched it and I thought wow like how did I not like this film like it's it's fantastic
0: for me, uh, you say about Middle Child, yeah, it, it, I I totally see that. I, it was the only one of Tarantino's directed films that I've not seen at the cinema. And that was because I was in my final year at uni and uh, I never got round to it. And I, I still have no idea why I never got round to seeing it, because I should have, because the amount of crap I watched during that period. So to me, that's always the standout one, but it's also... Yeah. I mean, uh, years after, I, I thought you know I love it because it because uh, Samuel L. Jackson is the star. Oh, he's horrible in it. Yeah. he's really awful. But it's one of the first complete vehicles for Samuel L. Jackson, you know.
1: Yeah, because everyone sort of thinks Pulp Fiction, don't they? When they think oh, uh, when they think of Samuel L. Jackson and Tarantino collaborating, but this is a great one. Yeah. For him,
0: this is where really, I mean, he has. I mean, like the, the one you just riffed on, the AK 47 speech, yeah. Everybody knows that speech as much as they know the Royal and Cheese, it. so it's... yeah,
1: it kind of reminds me of the Royal and Cheese one, actually. Like, just you know, just the way that Samuel Jackson delivers the lines whenever he does a speech, it's just it automatically, it, like, like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of elevates that speech to iconic. Yeah. As soon as you hear his voice,
0: because he's—he's just good. He's—he. I mean, you look at him in uh, Django Unchained. You hate yeah. him. You hate him. Oh. And yet, when you watch him in Hateful Eight, like, you love him, but he's absolutely yeah. pure evil in Django Unchained. And in this one, he—he's just. A fucking idiot. The character is. He. he yeah. He's not really. He's he's cold blooded, but he's not that really intelligent.
1: No, and it's. I I always thought. Um, I have a little sort of head that his character in Django is a relative of Ordell's, <laughs> because he's so like, sort of, you know, like you say, cold blooded, and yeah. you know, in Django it's worse because he's he's the black slave that is, like, the slave master as well. Which is, uh, like, I've been told historically, they hated them even more than white people.
0: Uh, I I can't remember the name, his character's name in uh, Django, but he's the one that controls Candyland.
1: Yeah, and and... it's so subtle and you know, sort of, you know, you're thinking, oh, is this horrible, like, slave owner and you think, well, he's (laughs) Jackson's slave, isn't he, really?
0: Yeah, because he's Pulling the strings, and it, it, it's just—it's just just brilliant. And Robert De Niro as his bitch in it. Yeah, I, I, I was like, it wow. Is, it,
1: it's a film of sort of—it's quite a strange film because for Tarantino, it's his only, as far as I know, his only work that's based on an existing work. Wasn't Django is
0: based on something, but this is actually it's, based on a real. Oh, yeah, yeah, Source. like a novel. It's, a, yeah. it's his first adaptation, I think, isn't yeah. it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, because the book was called Rum Punch, I think, was Rum Punch? Yeah. Um, Interestingly, the characters of Mordell and Lewis, so De Niro and Camilo Jackson, they existed in his books before this, so they were ongoing characters. And there was a film in 2013 called Life of Crime, and it was based on one of his other novels, and... They're recast with other people in it. You know, it's not the same, obviously, no. but it, it's just—it's quite strange that, that that's related to a Tarantino film. You know, because usually they're sort of one-shots, aren't
0: they? Yeah, but as long well, as you've got the rights, and you can make it, and you can make it. You can literally, as long as you don't riff on what on the, the universe that's been set by Tarantino, you can get away with it. Yeah, but then again, if, yeah, you could. Yeah. Then, you know, I don't think anybody would be stupid enough to touch something Tarantino did. Because you'd only be uh, compared to it. Imagine if someone came along and had the right to do Kill Bill Volume 3 that wasn't Quentin.
1: Yeah, you, um, wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't bother, would you? <laughs> Maybe if it was Robert Rodriguez I would, but right. oh. um, yeah. yeah, if it was someone that had nothing to do with him or, you know, at least with someone like Rodriguez, they, they kind of know each other's minds backwards, yeah. don't they?
0: I mean, it took me a while to uh, you know with Dust to Dawn the series it took me into the second season to actually get what they were doing with it and distance right. myself from uh, the the Tarantino Rodriguez movie to the Rodriguez uh, TV series and the mythology that we were putting into it I uh, so, still not watched that actually uh, it's good you've got to make yourself, get yourself through season 1 which is basically the movie then you get into season 2 and 3 and it's like wow they should have done more but it's it's brilliant I really I really recommend it but uh, yeah and I'll tell ya, you know, I always knew this was going to be I mean th- this is not in terms of iconic scenes and everything this hasn't got the same oomph as Pulp Fiction, no. Kill Bill or Reservoir Dogs you know a lot of his movies and and I always thought when we were going into doing this this is going to be the hard one of the retrospectives
1: I think it was for me as well actually trying to when I was taking notes as well, I was noting how different it was from a lot of his other stuff.
0: Yeah. Maybe
1: not stylistically, but like you say, there's not you know, you can say like the the um the so and so scene from every film. There's a scene where you think, Oh, that's that film like specifically from Tarantino But this one's sort of I, I know it's like a love letter to Black isn't it, for it? Yeah. So you know you've got like Pangria and Sid haig and all those sort of people so i think it's more of like a more of a style this film than it is a substantial sort of i remember this bit or that bit sort of
0: yeah i mean i'm I'm going i'll be honest with these silences which uh, that sounds like something out of pop fiction there's uh I mean, I'm going through my notes right now, and I'm going to be honest with this. And it's, it's a lot harder. I mean, When I was doing, when I was actually watching this, uh, making these notes, you know, it's literally, you, I'm writing you know, what happens in the scenes and stuff, and it, because it's, it doesn't have the impact of these other movies. No. I mean, the things are the same as you've got the soundtrack. You've got the, across 110th Street. Which you know at the start and at the end. We should say now if you have if you're already this far in which is nine minutes nearly ten. Spoilers are in the in full effect. They so, are indeed, yeah. Uh so you've got that at the start and the end, then you've got the Delphonics it repeats itself throughout the whole film. So you've got elements like that which are pure Tarantino but it just lacks the oomph of a Tarantino movie, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, like, I totally agree with you. The only, the part where I did sort of think this is pure Tarantino is the soundtrack. Like, 100%. Because it, it's, it's in keeping with the, the theme, like, it's all soul stuff and, um, like, Motown stuff and sort of, you know, that black exploitation era in the 70s, it's all that sort of... I think Pam Grier's even got a song on it, hasn't
0: she? Yeah. Yeah. It is... Uh... I can't
1: remember what it's called now.
0: I'm going to find this one out now.
1: Wonders of the internet.
0: No, 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 no I'm <laughs> actually cheating, I'm actually going on to uh to win the window media player. Uh, yes, I like Quentin Tarantino's soundtrack, okay? I, I put my hands up and Oh,
1: is I mean, if if nothing else, you know, you've got to say the soundtracks are perfectly constructed.
0: Soundtracks are brilliant. Is this what happens when you when you don't have? When you really use media player? I think it's long time woman.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think it is. He does the.
0: It's sort of like you need to have. I mean, but I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to gratuitously plug this again. Uh, the soundtrack to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a defining moment to me for him. Oh. I mean, even Fantastic. Films, even films like Jackie Brown, it's just you have to have it because you're Quentin Tarantino and you have to absorb everything about him. And uh, you know it's because if you like Quentin Tarantino, that is it's a character as well. So uh, it's like James Gunn's Yeah, I, I've always God thought is. the soundtracks
1: with their own sort of entity as well. Like you know, you, you that is one thing you do do as well. Apart from the scenes, you associate particular songs, particular bands with certain scenes, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Don't you know, like uh, Little Green Bag from Rap the Wild Dogs? And yeah. Big Dale from Pop Fiction? You know, it's all... This one I always remember, across 110th Street. Oh,
0: yeah. So
1: it still applies in that way to the Tarantino sort of impact thing.
0: If I ever hear you stuck in the middle of a by Steeler's Wheel, I do do the dance. I'm going to admit <laughs> it now.
1: Yeah, 100%. It, it always comes on at work, doesn't
0: it? Yeah. The amount of times I've yeah. done it, uh, the amount of times I've done it, uh, and in my old job, uh, yeah, it looked kind of psychotic. <laughs> <It did. laughs> Doing the Mr. Blonde dance. Yeah. It's just. But that's the thing, you know, this is what Tarantino, Tarantino does. And. Oh. I've got to say, I, I worked out. I that Pangria when, she, when uh, Jackie Brown was in production, she would have been in the mid forties. But damn, she's fine. She's Pangria's
1: a great like part of this film, actually, isn't she? Like, it, it, I can't even imagine it being, you know, because there's a white woman in the book, Is it and you just, I just can't even imagine that. Like, it seems the role was made for her, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: I, mean, I like uh, Foxy Brown and I've seen Coffee. Yeah,
1: and they're
0: brilliant, but, yeah, and uh. Yeah, Coffee, yeah, sorry, yeah. That's the one I was thinking of when you said it, sorry. And uh. It's uh. I was gonna say, oh, You know what I was gonna say? I was gonna point out, I just, it just came up on my notes. Uh. I was gonna point out I do these old school, I have it written on paper, I don't do straight from computer. Uh. The. <laughs> Uh, Kangal hats. The amount of Kangol hats they wear. Samuel L. Jackson and Pam Grier. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to go a bit. There was a hat factory where I went to Luton University. Luton. And I remember around about the time that they had pictures of the characters in the windows. Uh, and All that right. Was, so I'm just sharing a little memory review from '98. It, it, it just stuck in there because I was thinking that would look cool. The Samuel L. Jackson one. You know, when, they, when you they may
1: very well have been sponsored by Kango. yeah yeah. <laughs> just like Iron Man sponsored by Audi
0: yeah <laughs> you, I know, though, I go, uh, so, sorry about that. I was going into notes things. Odell's ponytail
1: yeah he does look kind of weird with a ponytail doesn't he like, I, I always imagine Samuel L. Jackson either bold or with the Jerry curl wig yeah. from Pulp Fiction which is weird
0: because I don't think he's ever had that ever again
1: no but it just jumps out at me for some reason
0: I thought, oh, it's 90s, it's a ponytail. So.
1: Yeah, everyone had one, didn't
0: they? They did at one point, not saying anything. (laughs) But, uh, ponytails were cool, because Steven Segal had one. Isn't Steven Segal still cool?
1: Not anymore, he's not. He was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, if you go to say about 90s and ponytails, this is the one oh, oh yeah over the exception of the period pieces which uh quentin's done so you're like you're a at django and glorious uh hollywood yeah uh this is the one that feels really really dated in the sense that you can tell it's 90s with the with the mall element yeah i was just gonna
1: say the mall yeah
0: and, and there's a bit where uh max cherry i'm just gonna go on to a tangent before, you know when uh, max cherry's going out the cinema towards the end you never actually find out what movie he has seen and I actually rewound re- the, uh, the Blu-ray just to uh, just start, I really want to know what film he's coming out of. Because if it's uh, important to the plot, and you know how important Tarantino is, uh, film is art to Tarantino. And I thought, uh, I thought that, you know, uh, I'm just curious as to what film it was. You know, find out.
1: Well, I assume it's supposed to be set the year it's made.
0: Ah, ah. I
1: don't You know, know. The, you
0: know the trial run that they do for yeah. yeah july the 1st 1995 it comes up oh it actually says yeah so it's like it dates oh, right. in 1995 i wrote that oh, down as a note just after the uh, cinema scene so i never yeah. really noticed that well spotted yeah because it's sort of like it does it feels it, you know around 1995 was the year earlier in that year uh, pop fiction came out in 94 We got the oscar in february 95 think it's february 95 although he should have got Best Picture over Forrest Gump. i just saying.
1: I would think, you know, when there's a year applied to a film, it kind of, it does kind of date, doesn't it? I mean, I was, I rewatched the, the Terminator, the, day, the first one, and, like, this, the titles at the start are saying, like, oh, in the future, this and that happens, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, um, here tonight in 1984 is where, you know, the fate of the human race will be decided, and you think...
0: What? <laughs> put, then again, in a science fiction film like that you have to, so that way when they go into the future, Blade Runner, twenty. Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049, Back to the Future Part 2, Back to the yeah. Future, so that's just one that's lost off my head.
1: No, well, it's like Escape from New York as well, isn't it, where it says 1997. Yeah. And this
0: is, <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, sometimes it's good. Then you get to go, yeah, oh, so, huh? I don't
1: mind it with a film like that because it's not taking itself too seriously, is it?
0: Yeah, no. you look at Demolition Man. Yeah, it's uh, like that was the early nineties, and it's like ninety six or was it or ninety nine? Where the film set?
1: Yes, yeah, I can't remember when it was. It's it's weird as well because um, Predator is set in nineteen ninety seven and it was made in nineteen ninety. Yeah. I never realised until like uh, until I was a lot older that it was actually futuristic. Yeah. Sorry about the tangent there about Cyphing, but...
0: Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it's a whole... go back to the theme, the, yeah, the shopping mall is what dates it for me. Yeah. I mean, the music... I think doesn't...
1: the malls change all the time, don't they? So, although the only mall I've seen in a film that never seems to date is Dawn of the Dead. I don't know, it's because you don't see very much of the mall, whereas in Jackie Brown it's sort of like, gives you a guided tour almost doesn't it yeah.
0: but with dawn of the dead it's a mall after hours so to speak yeah you know when the apocalypse and a shut mall is a shut mall but when all the lights are on and you can see what's in the shop windows and everything and it's yeah but then it's a different a, a different genre i suppose but yeah, oh i do yeah. see what you mean about though dawn of the dead I Are mean, we're talking about the original aren't we the romero one. oh yeah yeah so yeah. yeah, but then again, the fact that it doesn't date goes to show you what a great director Romero was and how at yeah. of time he was. And yeah, I, I, I think yeah, that's a subject, uh, topic for another subject. How George Romero is underrated and as a director and as a writer, because Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. If if he only made just those two films alone, he they should be heaped upon the same amount of. of uh, he should be getting the same praise. As so a oh, director yeah. in the genre?
1: I'm, the director we're talking about right now is a, a massive fan of him. Isn't he?
0: So, yeah. um, uh, Quentin. One
1: thing I do like about the mall scene, I must admit, is um, it's almost like, you know, you see both sides of the, the con, yeah. if you like, with Jackie and Odell. I, I think it's almost like Tarantino letting us see the heist this time. Yeah. You know, like, we didn't. We never saw it in *Rosewood Dogs*, and you didn't need to see it. But I think it's more like a sort of you can see what happens. You have to see what happens to get the con sort of thing. You know, but
0: do we see it like three sides? Because we because we, we, we I'm sure it's three sides we see it, or maybe we're wrong. Yes,
1: yeah, um, the cops and then Ordell, and then Jackie, isn't it? Yeah. And you don't realize like well you you do, but they don't realize she's playing all both of them.
0: Uh, it... It, it it's it's pure brilliance, but then again, you could also argue that, that was rift from Pulp Fiction because the Honey Bunny Pumpkin speech at the start and at the end are different dialogue depending on the perspective of where you're sitting. Yeah, and that's that's just because nobody sees the same thing the same way. And, no, or and remembers he, it yeah. the same
1: way. Definitely. I mean, I. I think everyone always thinks they remember it perfectly don't they yeah but I think that's that's the way Tarantino you know, risk on that sort of selective memory doesn't he by having speech be different when, when it depends on whose perspective it's from
0: so like the whole the uh, famous one is like everybody thinks it's Luke I am your father and it's not Luke I am for yeah and it's, or beam me up Scotty yeah so it's yeah but uh uh, some silly little notes again. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I uh, said. Odell says at one point that's some. This is some repugnant shit. <laughs> if a,
1: thought, in a way, only Samuel L. Jackson yeah, could.
0: Which is pop Fiction. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. It
0: like, uh, you know. Uh, you know, before, you know, in the car at the end, okay, this is real spoilers, before Ordell shoots, he's having that, having it all out with uh, De Niro Lewis, and he's having yeah. it all out about why he, did he shoot Melanie, and everything like that, which, anyway, where you shot him just in cold blood, because you, you're pissing him off, was bad enough, but when he's having, you know, there's a pause before, Ordell pauses before he shoots him, these are friends, yeah. people that have a different time together and everything, and he still, in cold blood, shoots him. Cause he's all about himself, and of course you've got the. Of course, when he shoots, uh, what's his name? don't no. Beaumont. know. Beaumont, yeah. From the yeah. It's the POV from the trunk, and the way the music, you hear the music, then it goes away, then it's. I, I love ways Samuel. to Quentin Tarantino uses music, in all those scenes. I think that's absolutely superb, and how you know, depending on what perspective you are, how you hear the music. So I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Having his signature shot you know would, you know they open the trunk as they say in america or the boot i think that's that's pure variance
1: but i absolutely love that scene like you say that where you're driving around the block and like you say you don't hit the music fades out and fades back in and you're thinking what's going on here like but it's it, it's done like a wide shot isn't it
0: yes yeah, uh, on a crane yeah
1: yeah so I, I think yeah i agree that's a really great shot because you're just sitting there wondering, thinking why is it still lingering? He must be doing something. Yeah.
0: <coughs> um, Excuse me. And uh, what was it a little bit of fun? Uh, Batman kills Nick Fury. <laughs> he does, yeah. Yeah, I thought, like, I, <laughs> I thought that. I thought that. As again, we are behind. To I thought that was just. Uh, I thought brilliant, because if you look at you know those two now, it's sort of like you got the Batman. Uh, or the Vulture now, he's one of them both or MCU's. The Vulture. Yeah, they're both MCU-ers. and... Uh, or the Founder. <laughs> I think, Or the Founder. Yeah. And McDonald's, um, I'm going to rewatch watch that one. I, I love him, and I mean, I really love him, Birdman, he's... You know, it, uh, Michael Keaton is coming soon! Uh, us two kissing Michael Keaton's ass. Oh, no, again, I mean, were we just talking about him ten minutes ago? <laughs> we before this, we were actually going before on about Batman. The Batman. Uh, Yeah. Oh, uh, Ray Nicolette is also in Out of Sight. uh, Yeah, with George Clooney.
1: I forgot about that. Yeah.
0: So. uh, It's it's Michael Keaton as well, isn't it? Michael Keaton. Yeah. Yeah. So. uh, Robert De Niro is not the usual strong character he usually plays.
1: Yeah, that's quite interesting, isn't it? I mean, that scene where he's killed. Usually that's him doing that in another yeah. film, isn't it? You know, like, I think that scene's very good. Sort of reminds score saves *Scorsese* a lot, actually. Like the angles in the back of the car, and yeah. not seeing the gun that he uses, just hearing the gunshot. Yeah, and it's very sort of gangster.
0: Well, it's, it's the fact that he, 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 he you don't. He, okay, but this is prior to to De Niro doing all the comedies and everything. So, yeah. to actually have him play a character that's completely against type and be so superb in it is. Yeah,
1: because, I mean, he's kind of dominating the decisions yeah. he makes. Yeah. By like, banging his boss's wife. Well, not wife, but, like, partner. girlfriend. And, yeah. You know, and ignoring the fact that the bail bondsman is in the same shop as him on one point. Yeah.
0: He's. Split screenshot with with uh, Samuel Jackson, Pam Grier, and Max Cherry. We see Jackie. Well, you got the you got the split screen sh- shots and you know where and got where his gun's missing. So you got yeah, everything then it was revealed where the gun came from. So with, uh, Jackie borrows the gun from Max Cherry. Yeah. So split screen was was a good use. So Does he's still... used that before or after. I can't I'm remember. Sure I can't... He had... For
1: some reason I'm thinking Inglorious.
0: I might have used it, in glorious, but that it will, no, but that's my least watched of the Tarantino movies.
1: Yeah, so that's your Jackie Brown for me,
0: basically. Yeah, yeah I've, I've still got it with the cellophane on it. Right? Oh, really? Yeah, cause I'm, uh, we, we, cause we're, because we're doing this series, we're, I'm actually uh, I, I've got to wait for the boss to, uh she wants to watch them with me, so I was looking forward to getting to Death Proof because she always vowed she would never watch it, uh, so, so, uh yeah, can't wait for that one, but, uh yeah, this is the, yeah, uh, I knew going into this, this was going to be the hard one because you can't, we can't dissect scenes as much because there's no, so many memorable scenes and everything, but it yeah,
1: is, I, it's, I don't know it as well either, no, I don't, it's like it is sort of like going one at a time with it rather the other ones I mean I can't You can't stop talking about what's what in you know like Reservoir Dogs we didn't expect it to be an hour and a half and no like we still had things to say at the end
0: it, it's a classic film shot for shot, Reservoir Dogs and uh, to me Jackie Brown is it's a Tarantino film that's not a Tarantino film it's a it's the disposable one, I suppose you could argue. It's the fun one. It's. Yeah. You know, I'm mean, not saying that. that not as other films. For time of Hollywood is a great piece of cinema. It's also fun, but it's a great piece of cinema first rather than a fun film. Whereas Jackie Brown is a fun film, then a great piece of cinema second. So whereas. Even films like Death Proof, which is the exploitation. the uh, You know, the B movie. That. Yeah. Is. A great film, then fun second, I think. But Jackie Brown is a fun film, then a great film, if that makes any sense to you. Is... Yeah, no, no, I know exactly what you're saying. So like the, the, the artistic
1: merit doesn't hit you till after you've thought about the film.
0: Yeah, and it, it's, it's harder to. It, 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 whereas you have to be an active viewer when you're watching Reservoir Dogs Pop Fiction just to name the first two, or I hate for like. Uh, you know, or *Hollywood's Upon a Time* in Hollywood. You know, uh, it's with this one, it's you can just check your brain out and enjoy it for what it is.
1: It's. It, I think it sounds. It's not meant disparagingly in any way, but it's the least arty. I think. Yeah. Maybe behind *Death Proof*. Um. So like, yeah, it's is the, the chill out and have like fun and watch. You know, like a, it's a black exploitation film, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Plus, you know, you, you're not you, you're not looking for the, the dialogue superb still, but you're not looking for the, the uh, I, uh, the words of wisdom. I mean, okay, of course you're at the AK forty seven speech, but whereas if you could literally take the, you could literally take the script book for as well, dogs of Dogs and just sit down and just go to any page, and you'd have something that somebody would know.
1: Yeah, you could make posters out of the speeches, yeah. basically.
0: The only time you see speeches that you see potency is when you go to like a uh if you go to any military show uh you know like the the war recreation listen they've got all the stuns there you can guarantee you're going to find a place that's got t- uh camouflage t- uh, t-shirts and stuff and black or green t-shirts with with the quotes from the ak-47 speech on there yeah but it's uh you don't Whereas if you, if you you could go to, like, a load of other film shops and you'd literally find quote after quote after quote on the unofficial T-shirts from Pulp yeah. Fiction. And everybody knows Royale with cheese or, you know... Yeah, I don't was, a just...
1: a tip. I don't tip.
0: <laughs> yeah. oh the Madonna speech. It's... yes yeah. It's all... But there's just... Not the same, but like I said, I'm not, it's not, we're not being disparaging to Jackie Brown, it's just, it's not. No, not at all. It's just not. It's fun, but not high art, like you said.
1: Yeah, I, I like, another easy way of just thinking of it was when I first saw it, I sort of went, oh, that was good, and then I didn't watch it for years. You know, I, I put it aside because I was kind of like, oh, that was enjoyable. Whereas when I became a fully fledged Tarantino you know, fan, I think you go through from the beginning and watch them all to see the progression, and I think this is the one where he sort of—it's like the bridge between the high art stuff that he starts with, and then he moves into the sort of the more entertainment, the more entertainment-based stuff. Sorry, like you go from this to Kill Bill, which is schlockier than the films, then you go to you know Death Proof, and um, and then you go back you know you have like the mixture of Django where it's kind of exploitation but it has the high art stuff in it and then I think like he's come full circle with Hollywood that is
0: that is you know that to me Hollywood that's like and and I'm not just saying because you know cause you always tend to there's a tendency you go for the last film that they've made to be the one that sticks in your mind yeah uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a great Piece of filmmaking, and I, I will never forget how I felt the first viewing I watched, my first viewing going into it, thinking I knew the ending, and when the ending wasn't, because I was on the edge of my seat like through the whole film. Yeah, and I don't do. I was well. I don't do gore, and I don't do, and I expected this really bloody ending, so I was literally on literally my nerves were shot throughout the whole film. Uh, I got out the cinema as soon as the film had finished and I said said to to the boss that's my fiance if anyone hasn't figured that out Uh, (laughs) I said to her I "I have to see this again so we went on day of release which I think was a Thursday then we went again on Saturday to watch it because I wanted to sit back and enjoy this film for for what it was knowing that I knew that I didn't have to be waiting for something to happen and when it didn't you know the second time I watched it I, I was like I actually got the ending on the second viewing and I was like yeah oh, I get it now why they called it that and the, the ending is superb and it's and it's still a, a film that you know dialogue wise I'm putting Hollywood up there with the likes of Pulp Fiction because that it is that bloody good and I'm, and I'm not detracted from the, from the likes of Hateful Eight or Django Unchained I mean Django Unchained and Hateful Eight are, are superb films and, and and they're you know they stand up to Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction but yeah. you could but when we say these films, you can't say Jackie Brown in the same breath in terms of artistic, like we've been saying, and we're now repeating ourselves. Is but, yeah.
1: And... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know what you just said about Hollywood is exactly what, what I was thinking because, you know, I always think of it as like a Tarantino sleight of hand where the film's going in one direction and he's like a magician where he goes, Are you watching this hand? Well, you weren't watching this hand. This has just happened. You know, and the, all his films follow that sort of formula to a certain degree, don't they? I mean, even something like Death Proof, where, you know, the girls get killed at the beginning and then the next lot of girls, oh no, they kicked Kurt Russell's ass yeah. and he's crying like a bitch. Um, I, I've always fucking loved that scene. Either. But it's that sort of subversion that he does so well. There's not really that much of it in Jackie Brown. I no. think the only reason, the only way you can get close is the idea that Jackie's con in everyone.
0: Yeah.
1: But. I know what you mean. Yeah, like there's there's none of that sleight of hand.
0: No. But it is. There is. It's an enjoyable movie, and it should not. It is, you know, compared to a lot of the other films that were out in that period, it's. Oh yeah. It's still, and you know, it, it's it's still one you have with pride in 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 your collection. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, his his sort of less memorable films are still better than a lot of people's best.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many? Unless you're a complete cinephile, there's you can't say you've got every film by a certain director. But it's sort of like with with Quentin Tarantino. You have to, you you know, you have to say, well, I, you know, if you built, if you love him, you got you you love all of his work because there'll always be something you can find it. Yeah. And uh, you know, and and I said, I, I'm. I'm uh, um, I can't sit here, uh, and you know there's bits you don't like in these films. It can be, but I've, but I can't sit here and say, well, I, I don't like Jackie Brown. It's, 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 it's the film that, and, and I mean, I mean, i even feel the same way about uh, after we out, after a little gratuitous plug for what you're listening to, the High Ground podcast. Uh, since we've started discussing the likes of even george lucas i don't think there's a bad george lucas directed film one that i truly can say that i hate ones i don't like as much yeah but if you uh and that's me going off subject again but but more so with tarantino i mean i was well into robert rodriguez as well at the time and robert rodriguez has made has made some absolute brilliant films but he's also made ones that I would never want to have in my collection Sharkboy and Live a Girl in 3D
1: <laughs> well I mean point out, point out a director who doesn't have you know Like I absolutely adore John Carpenter but he's made some stinkers and packs as well you know Escape from LA and uh, Ghosts of Mars although I do enjoy that film a lot more ironically because Pam, Pam Greer's in it uh, but um, yeah, yeah you, you, everyone makes a bit of dross now and again otherwise you know what's the point
0: Exactly. You have to learn from your mistakes. Exactly, yeah. Why do we
1: fall? And the me? ones that sort of do say, oh, God, that wasn't a very good one, or oh, the next one's going be better, you respect them more than... You know, you get these, like... It's like special features now on Blu-rays. They're just fluff pieces from the studios, aren't they? Oh, yeah. this film's great, yeah. If you look how good this actor is isn't it. You know, I like to see the ones where they're like, oh, that was a shit production, I hated it.
0: <laughs> yeah. You can appreciate a film more from that I mean there's a, a film on uh, Netflix or not Netflix Amazon Prime or something can't remember which one it's on the streaming service Doomed the making of the Fantastic oh. Four movie so, yeah. so, so you basically got a documentary about a film that you can't officially watch it's on YouTube and you know yet yeah, you still want to watch it and that's how it should be and that's better than like you said yeah. the pieces
1: yeah I mean well, there's a one I always remember is the the documentary with uh, Batman and Robin where Joel Schumacher pretty much apologises on camera for how much of a you know, a, a mess it was. And, just and I sort of thought, well, you know what? Yeah, Joel Schumacher is a good director. See. But we just remember the fact that I suppose that was like a monumentally bad film that killed superheroes for over 10 years or so, didn't it? But, you know, it it's sad when directors get labelled with, oh, they've got one bad film they're shy now. No, that's just not the case. You no, know,
0: if you like a director, you will still go and watch his next film. Give him a of chance. course, yeah. Batman and Robin killed his career for a while Schumacher, so yeah. But uh, by the way, that documentary you mentioned—would that have to be on the Blu-ray? Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's just for you listeners and for people like myself, like myself, who, when it comes to doing our Batman and Robin. Thing, which we will have uh, somewhere down the line just because you just plug mine us. and all that content yeah, yeah no if you've got the
1: um, even just the standard Blu-ray release or the box there it's it's on there's a making of each one on there and it's I kind of we've said this before haven't we like I find the, the, the production of films that were troubled or really really complicated to make so much more interesting than you know like even some of my favourite films that are successful I'd rather watch I'd rather watch a documentary about
0: Alien 3 than I would about Alien, you know,
1: because it's interesting.
0: Yeah. I have, to, I do, I completely agree on that, I do completely agree on that one because you you actually know why the decisions have been made. Yeah. We locked the director out the studio so that he, we could do our own edit because we didn't like what he he gave us, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it's just unreal that things like that actually happen, isn't it? I mean, I'd love to, that, I think... That QT8 is a great documentary yeah. to do with, you know, like, if you want an overview of Tarantino's films. Because there's never been really sort of, like, in-depth documentaries about single ones of his films, has there? I mean, there may be in the future, but it's just interesting, all the behind-the-scenes stuff of the studios on that. You know, about, you know, and how uh, what's his name? Michael Madsen was saying... About Harvey Weinstein acting really odd
0: in that diner. Yeah. And
1: you just think, like, I want to hear stuff from like my yeah. you know.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they have to distance themselves now because they financed a lot of his, Tarantino's work. So it's. Yeah, right. But they, don't, they didn't know at the time. So. No, no, I mean, it's
1: not. Um, not anyone's fault, is it, really?
0: No. But, uh,. Yeah.
1: I mean, don't get the impression, like, from this that we don't like this film because we still love it. There's no disparaging comments meant. It's just, I think it's just honesty, though, isn't it? Like, you, you sometimes you sometimes it goes the other way. You don't like to admit that certain films aren't as memorable as you think, you know, <clears throat> Phantom menace. But um, no. But back in the day, you know, we were all like. Rosy tinted glasses, well. We? So yeah. I think when you first see a film, you think, "Oh, that's really good. That's great. I'm not going to say anything bad about it." But when you consider both sides of the coin, as we are doing, we're not saying it's awful. We're just saying not the most memorable one.
0: Yeah. I. I still. I still. Uh, that being said, I mean, I still think as a fun piece of uh, piece of work. and I mean, why I, I, I like it so much is that it is still a fun piece of work, and it, yeah. it's not. It's not as memorable, but it's just no. a more accessible i suppose it's, it's the more accessible if you're someone that's a passive uh, viewer which if you're a passive viewer you're, you're obviously not listening to this uh then something like jackie brown is a good gateway because reservoir dogs and pulp fiction are arty and this is yeah. this is this is the block but it's basically an argue this is the blockbuster uh, Tarantino's blockbuster because you know Tim Burton when he did Planet of the Apes he well failed and that's a blockbuster yeah. and and that's Tim Burton doing a studio pick so the fact that Quentin Tarantino can do a a, a not a puff piece but a, but a film that is accessible and easy and more linear than any other things and he can successfully do it means that an art house director can actually or an arty yeah, well, he is art house. Can actually pull off mainstream as good as, if not better than anybody else.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a perfect description. It is. It's the one you could watch if you weren't a fan, <coughs> and possibly still enjoy. Yeah. Whereas I think the others, you sort of have to be initiated, don't you? Even something like Death Proof, the way they talk and the, you know, the way like we were saying, sleight of hand it, and that's all stuff you need to know. He does, whereas Jackie Brown is yeah, it's it's blockbuster. That's the best way to describe it. it?
0: Yeah. So I think we've wrapped this one up.
1: Yeah, I I can't think of much else to say, to be honest. And it, it, I feel bad, but I, I don't want to start talking rubbish about, you know, or rabbiting on about other things because we, I don't have anything to say. So yeah I agree
0: I'm going to say uh, (laughs) say, uh, I'm Stevie W I'm Callum see you on our next uh, retrospective which we are now going into this is going to be the fun one we've got Kill Bill
1: 1 and 2 1 and 2 in one one sitting I think
0: they're totally different
1: they are yeah Do, do you think we should do it in one go or Separate podcast for each volume.
0: Um, two parter. Mm. I think we need a two parter on this one. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's fair enough.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Kill Bill Volume One coming up uh, when we when we just, when we do it so soon in the future. Yeah, yeah. fairly well. See you later.